Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, Idesanya versus Costa, Reyes versus Blankovich. It is a loaded pay-per-view main card back at Fight Island. But, of course, as you who frequent the show know, we will be breaking down the prelim portion of that card in none of the main card. That's right, just the prelims here on the prelim primer. For those of you who might be new to the show and are wondering, why are we so focused on the prelims? Why not break down these awesome title fights? The answer is really simple. We know you guys know about these title fights and the fighters that are in them, but we know that you probably are a little more in the dark about these guys on the prelims, and, and that's really where there's a lot of money to be won in daily fantasy sports and gambling by knowing the things that other people don't know. So we're going to help you out there. And speaking of helping you out with gambling and daily fantasy sports, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find him at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com. And the cool thing about AJ is, unlike all the other guys who offer gambling advice, he doesn't just give you fighters or teams to put money down on each week. Instead, he gives you knowledge, know-how, stuff that you can use in the future so that you can continue to maximize your bets for a really long time. That education, let me tell you, it comes in many different forms when you're working with AJ, but every single one of them will help you now and in the future. Don't just take my word for it. Check out some other people's words for it, the customer's successes, the past breakdowns, and his extensive record, all at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com or on Twitter, at AJMMABetting. You won't be sorry you did. Now, of course, in order to break down these prelims, i got to be joined by a co-host. And joining me today from the Fix Fight Podcast with Kurt and Ben is Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me. What's going on, man? Always a pleasure to uh, join you on the show. All right. And as you guys know, we're going to start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Brad Riddell versus Alex Da Silva. Riddell 2-0 in the UFC with decisions over Jamie Malarkey and Magomed Mustafaev. Da Silva, 1-1, one one. he got subbed by Alexander Yakolev in his debut, but then won a decision over Rodrigo Vargas. So, my question for you here, obviously this is a great bit of matchmaking. They're two guys who love to strike, high-level strikers. Who benefits more, though, from the type of fight where a guy's not going to try to take him down? I honestly think Brad Riddell, man. I'm pretty high on Brad Riddell, and uh, I think he's got probably the more well-rounded game. I know Silva's a very good striker as well, but what I've seen out of Silva, he t- Silva... He tends to slow down a bit as as uh, the more the fight goes. Not saying he has bad cardio, but uh, everything I've seen out of Riddell, Riddell's got very good cardio. He's very well rounded. I'm super high on him. Um, yeah, like you said, man, good matchmaking. And, and I love to. I'm glad that you mentioned that you're high on Riddell because I also am very high on Riddell. He seems like part of that wave of like new kickboxers that we're seeing in the UFC because like before, you know, for a while the the way to go was just be a wrestler and get to the UFC and then out wrestle people. We're seeing more and more kickboxers who know how to sprawl and brawl a little bit, and it's really fun between him and Idesanya and Giga Chikadze, all who are undefeated in the UFC. I'm super excited to see him here. I think he probably has got an advantage on the feet. And like you said, he's probably a little bit more well-rounded. I like his leg kicks here. Um, So it sounds like we're both going Riddell. How do you like Riddell winning this one? Uh, I like Riddell probably by decision. I think I think the first round starts off pretty frenetic. I think Silva is going to be in it early. But I think the longer the fight goes, I think, uh, like I said, Riddell is a bit more well-rounded. I see Silva fading a bit and Riddell winning a clear-cut decision impressively. 
Yeah, and like we said before, too, about the, the recent results, Riddell hasn't finished anybody in the UFC either, so I do think it's probably a safer bet here to bet him by decision. You know, he, he fought Jamie Malarkey, who, you know, I'm not real low on Jamie Malarkey, but I'm a little bit low on Jamie Malarkey. And if he couldn't get him out of there, I don't really see him getting a talented striker like De Silva out of there either. Uh, and that yeah, I'm with us, that. And, and that brings us to our second and, and somewhat ridiculous matchup, which is Diego the Nightmare Sanchez. He's facing Jake Matthews in a, in a welterweight bout here. Sanchez is coming off that disqualification win over Michelle Pereira, which say whatever you want about that fight. It's one of the most ridiculous fights I've seen and one of the most ridiculous ends I've seen. Before that, he lost to, to Michael Chiesa, so he's not really on the best run here, and it looks like it's probably the end of his career. He's fighting Jake Matthews, who is a physical specimen. Since losing to Anthony Rocco Martin, he's won two straight. He beat up Rostam Akman, and then he beat Emil Weber-Meek. So, like, a couple of decent wins in there for him, and he looked real good doing it, too. So, I, I mean, like, this one's laid out pretty clear. Diego looked bad in his last two, despite getting, like, you know, like I said before, an absurd win. Matthews might even be a worse matchup for him than Michelle Pereira. What path to victory do you see here for Diego if there even is one? Um, it, you know, Diego's kind of hard to predict, right? I mean, he's been doing this for so damn long. Uh, you know, the big question for me lately is the the whole weird corner, right, with uh, Josh Fabia and they got that weird relationship. They're like, I don't know, training in a garage somewhere and having sleepovers still. But listen, man, it's Diego Sanchez – um, as crazy as he is, as wild as he is, he is a very good fighter, although he's probably diminished in his later years. But the dude's a madman. He can still take a punch. He can still fight. Um, I, You know, it, it's kind of, kind of hard to answer your question because you never know what kind of Diego you're going to get and uh, what kind of mindset he's going to be in. But uh, I would say to answer your question, just his, his overall experience and, uh, you know, time in the cage. He's literally been in the cage for like a million hours, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's my answer to that. And I think what you said, too, before that, too, where you get said he was a madman and he could take a punch, I think that's sort of the path to victory here if you want to talk yourself into a Diego Sanchez decision. If he goes in there and he makes Jake Matthews brawl with him, I think he could beat Jake Matthews' brawling style, right? Jake Matthews isn't a crazy, talented striker. The question is, is just like, is there any chance that Jake Matthews gets suckered into throwing punch for punch with Diego Sanchez? And I think he's too smart for that. I think he probably winds up taking him down, grinding him out. You know, he's much bigger than Diego Sanchez. But you're right. Who could predict a Diego Sanchez fight? With that being said, I'm going to ask you to predict a Diego Sanchez fight. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm I'm all in to see these ground scrambles. Um, I'm going Diego, man. He's one of those guys I, I try not to pick against because I've always been a fan. And I like, uh, I don't know, I like the aura around Diego and the madness. So I'm going Diego uh, by decision, man. Maybe he, like, hurts him on the feet or something and gets on top some vintage ground and pound. I'm going Diego by decision with uh, very little confidence. I, I'm going to take Jake Matthews by decision. I love that I can always get an underdog pick or two out of you. Nobody ever going chalk on this show. So, uh, but, yeah, I'm definitely going to differ with you on that one. I love Jake Matthews, and I think he probably grinds him out for, for three rounds. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Round number two. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is down in the show notes if you want to check him out. And one of the awesome things about AJ is that he's not just going to send you his picks each week, but he's going to give you pros and cons for every matchup so that you can think about it logistically yourself and weigh that risk. He also gives you thoughts on DraftKings matchups, like who's going to be owned more and who's going to be owned less, so that you can really chase that big jackpot. 
and it doesn't just stop there. He also provides extensive audio content, video content, all kinds of different things sent right to your inbox each and every week so that you have all of the know-how you could possibly need when gambling on an upcoming card. So check out all that stuff at AJ's Action Pack SportsBets.com. And we are back with round number two. Going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alexa Kamer versus William Knight. Kamer 1-0 in the UFC with a victory over Justin Ledette back in January. He's 2-0 if you count his win on the Contender Series as well. Knight 8-1 making his UFC debut, although he won two Contender Series fights to get here. The really, you know, we said before, great matchmaking with Riddell and De Silva. I actually think this is great matchmaking too because they are two guys who kind of make a lot of mistakes at light heavyweight, but are so physically gifted that they manage to overcome them. And we've seen this a couple of times out of each of them. Who do you think here, though, wins when their skill or their physical attributes are kind of matched? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know the lines in this fight, but uh, I think you broke it down pretty damn well, man. They both, uh, both big punchers, both a little bit raw. I mean, if you watch William Knight's last fight, um, he wasn't doing well until his opponent kind of punched himself out when he took over. Uh, I mean, it, pick your poison, right? Whichever one gets the knockout, there's definitely going to be a knockout in this one. Um, don't blink. Don't go to the bathroom. And, and I like what you said about his opponent punching himself out, right? He was in a bad position. He got, he fell down on all four. I'm pretty sure it was either top turtle or the guy had some hooks in. And then he just stood up, and the guy, like, couldn't stop him, which is wild to me at light heavyweight where the guys are so big. So, like, the fact that he did that is alarming, right, because Alexa Kamer could hold him down. But also, Alexa Kamer is the type of guy who would punch himself out. So it's, like, this weird complex where you're like, is he strong enough to stop him from doing the strong things, but is he going to just punch himself out in the, the process? It's so nutty, and I love it so much. So I, I got to ask you, though, who you going with on this one? I'm going with William Knight, man. I think he keeps the ball rolling, New England strong. I got Knight by a first-round knockout in an absolutely bonkers fight. Don't be surprised if he's on the verge of getting stopped himself, but I'm going Knight by first-round knockout. Yeah, I almost guarantee this ends in the first round. If it goes to the second round, I will be very surprised. Whatever the prop line is on ends in the first round, hammer that thing hard. But also, on, I totally agree with you. I'm going to go with William Knight here. From the New England guy, but not just the New England guy. I think he's actually probably physically more gifted than Kamer. And, and like, if, if there's going to be a slight advantage in this fight, it's with the physical attributes. Because I think they both lean on him more than skill. So if they're going to lean on their physical attributes, you go with the guy with the better physical attributes. And that's William Knight. Absolutely. Uh, and that brings us to our fourth fight, which is Shane Young fighting Ludovic Klein, who takes this fight on kind of short notice. Young is 2-1 in the UFC with his only loss being a debut against future champ Alexander Volkanovsky. He's coming off a win over Austin Arnett, though. Klein, meanwhile, 16-2 making his debut. He last fought on a show called Octagon Prime 3. But that fight was a win over a UFC veteran in Lucas Sajewski by head kick knockout, which is pretty crazy. Do you know a ton about the, the newcomer Klein? And if so, what can you kind of tell our, our listeners? I don't, you know, I scoured the internet for him a little bit. I've seen that he's a he's a solid striker. He's got a he's got a pretty good mix of finishes on his record. He's very aggressive, um, and he's actually fought some some veteran content, uh, veteran opponents on the regional circuit. Yeah, Octagon Prime or whatever it's called, Optimus Prime. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's fun, man. He's pretty fun to watch. Good striker. Um, and taking the fight on, on a late performance, he's on a seven fight win streak. Got really nothing to lose here. 
Yeah, and, and, you know, I definitely agree with what you said. He's super aggressive with the striking, which is really fun for me to watch. But also, the thing that I saw in that fight with Sajewski, because I did manage to catch some clips of that, he, he was pretty good at stopping the takedown. And, and I don't know if you guys remember Sajewski. Go back and look at his UFC record, because if I remember correctly, he fought, like, two or three killers and got released with an 0-2 or 0-3 record. But he could always grapple, right? Like, that was the thing, is he could grapple. This guy stopped him from grappling pretty easily and just starched him on the feet. The head kick knockout, damn impressive. And he's got, a, you know, like you said, a litany of other, you know, knockouts on his record. I'm excited to see him, especially because Young, in, in the fights I've seen, looks a little tentative. He likes to be the guy to move forward, but I don't think he's going to be that guy against Klein, which makes this a super hard matchup to call. And, of course, when I say something like that, I'm always about to ask you to call it. Who do you got in this one, and how do you got him? I mean, the thing with the thing with uh, Shane Young is he's been uh, had a pretty extensive layoff, right? I believe his last fight was uh, sometime in 2019. Um, I'm going Klein here, man. I like what I see, and like you said, uh, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna you know wait around and pick his shots too much. I think he's gonna come forward very aggressively, and uh, yeah, Shane Young, if he's tentative in this one, he might might get stopped. I'm going Klein with a second round stoppage here. I love the call. I'll go exactly the same thing, Klein. Second round stoppage, and just because he's probably going to put it on Young early, and then Young will will come out in the second round knowing he needs to do something and get clipped. Uh, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Round number three. Hey, guys, just listen to what some of the subscribers are saying about AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. I've been following AJ for several months, and he's ultra-impressive, but honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons. His breakdown and understanding of matchups is what impressed me the most. It can be hard to separate your emotions and favorite fighters in this fight game, but AJ really seems to be able to objectively break down each and every fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book, and that comes from subscriber George. And, of course, we fully agree with George here, and we think you will, too, if you check him out at AJ's Action Pack AJsActionPackSportsBets.com. And we are back with round number three. We got two more fights to talk about, so we're going to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jeff Hughes versus tough champion Juan Espino. Hughes 0-2 in the UFC with a no contest due to an eye poke. He last lost to Rafael Passoa. Espino, 1-0 in the UFC. Of course, he won the Ultimate Fighter. Of course, that was two years ago with a straight arm lock on Justin Frazier, who I'm pretty sure is not in the UFC. Now, he was away from the game for two years. He's about to turn 40 years old. He's only had 10 pro fights. Is it crazy to think about him being a favorite in this fight, given all those factors? Yeah, I think that's kind of crazy, man. And especially if you look while he was out, I know he had at least... uh two or three hand surgeries. Yeah. You, like you said, he's, he's going on 40 years old. He hasn't fought in a couple of years, but, uh, you know, that being said, he does have some serious talent, uh, which we saw when he went through the ultimate fighter. And, uh, you know, Hughes is, Hughes is probably fighting for his job here being, you want Oh, two and one in the UFC. Although he did look pretty damn good in his, uh, no contest against, I believe it was Todd Duffy, right? Before it, was, he got, uh, it was Todd Duffy. That's correct. So yeah, this is a really hard one to call, man. Uh, and the funny thing about, uh, What's the name? I believe Hughes is a teacher as well, so it's always kind of funny when uh, 
these big rough and tough fighters are also school teachers. Yeah, you, you've seen that a couple of times. I know uh, uh, Jorgen DeCastro works at a school as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Odie Osborne is a, a teacher as well. Yeah, crazy. The, the, OG, <laughs> the OG Rich Franklin, man. Yeah, 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 exactly. Math teacher, too, of all things. I know, right? Um, but, but yeah, here, here with Hughes, one of the things I think is going to be tough for Espino, too, is that like when you look at all of those wins he had on the Ultimate Fighter, he showed up really good ground game, right? He's got that Canary Island wrestling that we hear about from Spain, and he added some submission skills to it that make him dangerous. He's fighting a guy who's not really easy to wrestle up in, in Jeff Hughes. I mean, I'm a little worried about it, especially with the layoff, especially with being 40, especially with, you know, a bunch of surgeries. But, man, I, I think if you're, you're looking at the same Juan Espino from back on the Ultimate Fighter, I think I'd pick him undoubtedly. But the question for you now is, do you pick him with that layoff, hoping that he's that same Juan Espino? I do, but with, with very little confidence. Again, man, there's a lot of questions going in. But I'm assuming that the layoff, he took the time to uh, get his body right, uh, get his hand feeling right, and I'm sure he's ready for this. So I'm going Espino. I'm going Espino by third-round Kimura. I think it's kind of a banger, and he locks up a Kimura. He's got some serious ground skills, good wrestling, although Hughes is not easy to take down. I'm going to Smino by third round submission via Kimura. I'm going to take a Smino. I'm going to take him by submission too, but I'm going to go around earlier and I'm going to go rear naked choke just because I think probably Hughes gets tired in all of the wrestling exchanges he's going to see early. Cause like we said, he's a bigger guy. So like the, the probability of him getting tired early is, is pretty high. Uh, and that brings us to our last fight, which is another crazy one to have to call. And that's Kata's Abrigamov versus Danilo Marquez. Abrigamov, 0-3 in the UFC, but listen to this schedule. Daun Jung, who's 2-0, Ed Herman, who's on a decent run himself, and Roman Dalidzi, who is an absolute killer in his debut. So he's he's run into a gauntlet of tough guys. And we got Marquez here, who's 9-2, making his debut. He's kind of a little bit of a submission monster, but he's training at King's MMA, which we know, if it did anything for Benil Dariush, means he's got some hands, too. So... I guess where we start this one off is is by are we completely writing a Brigamoff off for those losses or are we giving him kind of some leeway based on who he was up against? It's hard to tell, man, because, you know, he came into the UFC uh, as a former M1 champion. So he had some hype behind him. Yeah, he's running to, uh, you know, a tough go about it in the UFC. I mean, you can't completely write him off. And especially since it's kind of hard to find a lot of things scouring the Internet on Danilo Marquez. Right. I You know, he's a. What I found was he's finished eight of his nine victories, so he's definitely a finisher. Like you said, he's with Kings MMA, so grappling's good, striking's got to be good, but uh, yeah, it's another hard one to pick, man. Yeah, and when we look at Daniel Marquez, too, it's worth noting, too, he also has been out of the cage for a while, and I know that this keeps being a trend we're talking about. He last fought in February of 2018, okay? So that means we're talking about 30 months away from the cage, and he fought in a company called Gladiator CF against a guy who was 5-4-1, and before that, he hadn't fought since July of 2017 against a guy who was 0-16. So, like, it's not like this guy is fighting killers. It's not – like, he he headlined LFA 9. So, like, he's been around for a while. Right. So, but, like, at the same time, like, anytime he seems to take a step in competition, that's his couple losses in there. So, man, it, it's weird to see a guy who's 34 years old, has had all that time away, and we're still sitting here talking about him making his debut, but – I guess an 0-3 opponent is the right kind of opponent. Um, So obviously we've had heavyweight madness that we've tried to predict. Now we're going to predict some light heavyweight madness. Who you got? How you got him? 
I'm going to Bragamoth, man. He's still young. He's been active. Uh, I think he knows that his job is definitely on the line here, being 0-3. I'm going to Bragamoth. I think he gets it done. Um, I don't think he gets a finish, but I'm going by decision. I think he kind of writes the ship and, uh, you know, hopefully turns it around for himself. All right, and for this one, I'm going to go with Marquez. I don't know why, but I want the Jits guy to pull it off. Also, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I had Tapology open right now because I've seen very little film on him. He's six foot six. That for some reason interests me at heavyweight, uh, especially a being boy. A, a submission guy too. Yeah, you don't usually see the big long submission guys at light heavyweight. So I don't know. I'm a sucker for the big tall submission guy being a big tall submission guy myself. So uh, I'm gonna go with Marquez. And that's gonna do it for the end of our three rounds. You got six fights in just about 15 minutes. We hope you guys learned a little bit of something and you get ready for, I mean, all the uncertainty on this card, which is going to actually be crazy. I want to thank my co-host, Kurt. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me, man. As always, man, it's always a pleasure. Can't wait to do it again. Thanks.